So I have my master's degree in spiritual psychology and my favorite definition that I've ever heard, I learned at the University of Santa Monica. So this is their definition, which is healing is the application of love to the places inside that hurt. And I love that definition because that's basically what it is. So healing is about going back to experiences. Not We don't have to relive horrific traumatic memories. It's not about sitting in therapy and talking about it over and over and over again. But it is going back to those places inside that never got to express their feelings. So for me, I'll, I'll bring back up the, the teasing and bullying example with that note mm-hmm. being passed around. So I carried that around for years and years and years. And healing that was going back to that little girl. I was in fifth grade and letting her have her feelings about it. Because I, I just stuffed all the, I had so much shame that I just stuffed those feelings inside. So letting her have her sadness, letting her have her anger. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please, sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and I wanted to take a minute to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and hope that y'all are having an amazing day with family, friends, loved ones, and those closest to you, whether it's in person or virtually. And I also wanted to say that I am thankful for all of you, and I appreciate your loyalty and support and really am blessed that you all continue to listen to the podcast. So I just wanted to say that, that I'm very grateful for y'all and I'm wishing you a healthy and happy day. And so today's episode is going to be very healing. It's going to be very soothing because unfortunately in today's society, most people are chasing external validation and haven't healed from their past, right? The lack of forgiveness for themselves and others can rob anyone from experiencing authentic joy and fulfillment. And we all have insecurities, right? We all have them. May it be from what we see on social media. Maybe it's something painful that we experienced in childhood or in a previous relationship. And if left untreated, these inner demons can lead to deep levels of anxiety, fear, depression, and stress. So with that being said, I have the perfect guest today that will help you understand the importance of healing our past, specifically our inner child and how it can set you free. Many of you will recognize today's guest, Christine Hassler, from her top-rated podcast, her books, and her work as a master life coach. In this episode, we chat about things such as why we need failed relationships to grow, the tremendous, tremendous power of forgiveness the definition of an expectation hangover, what does healing really mean, and why she believes nothing isn't healable, and so much more. And a bit more about Christine is Christine Hassler is a master coach, facilitator, and speaker with over 15 years of experience. She is the best-selling author of three books, most recently, Expectation Hangover, Free Yourself from Your Past, Change Your Present, and Get What You Really Want, and is the host of the top-rated podcast, Over It and On With It, where she coaches people live on the show. 
Christine is known globally for her ability to identify what is holding someone back and compassionately guiding them to clarity. She also works with companies and organizations to increase the productivity and decrease the stress of their employees. Christine has a master's degree in spiritual psychology and implements elements of NLP, psychology, spirituality, science, and a lot of her own diverse life experience into her work. She has appeared on the Today Show, CNN, ABC, CBS, Fox, E, Style, and the New York Times. Christine believes that once we get out of our own way, we can show up to make the meaningful impact we are here to make. So let's get this healing conversation started and help me welcome the incredibly gifted Christine Hassler to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Christine, thank you so much for coming on. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah, and like I, I think it's we were talking before the the show. It, it's really fascinating to me, you know, your success you've had now, and I think, you know, today you're one of the most highly sought after, you know, motivational speakers, NLP coaches. You do a lot of stuff on relationships, inner child work. But it wasn't that long ago you hit, you know, what you call your quote unquote quarter life crisis, and mm-hmm. you were really in the depths of despair and had to make a hard pivot or you were going to wind up, you know, in a pretty dark place. So walk me through in the audience to like kind of how you, like where you were, how you were feeling in that moment and how you got to, mm-hmm. to kind of get, got into the, the field that you're in today. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a while ago. So I'll, I'll take you through the highlights because mm. it, since it was so long ago, I, I am not as connected to it. It feels like a different life. But basically what happened, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, is I built a life based on insecurities mm. and chasing external validation. So I was really insecure as a kid, never felt like I belonged, never felt really likable. And so I compensated for that by being a massive overachiever. And I was very addicted to success. And I was also on antidepressants. I'd been on them since I was 11 years old. I was on them from 11 to 30. And dealing with headaches and taking over-the-counter pain medicine pretty much every day. So that was my, my numbing technique. And I thought I was doing things right because I got a great job. I was making great money. I had a successful boyfriend, all these things. But it's like no matter what box I checked mm. or what hill I climbed, the deep depression, insecurity, sadness, and longing for more, nothing would quench that thirst, nothing external. And so when I decided to resign from my job, it wasn't like, this amazing, super clear decision. It was having a panic attack on the way up the elevator one day and just thinking, I, can, I can't do this anymore. I just wow. can't do this anymore. And so I left and start, was a personal trainer, but at the same time was writing a book. And I was seeing my life coach at the time who was, she didn't know she was, well, I didn't know she was doing this, but she knew she was training me to be a coach. And becoming a coach happened accidentally. I was talking to lots of people for my book. I was personal training. And over and over again, people would say, you should be a therapist. You should be a coach. You have such amazing intuition and compassion. You give such great advice. And it just kind of landed in my lap in terms of an awareness or an idea. And then my book was published and it went from there. But I think the the most important thing I could share to your audience about that was it took hitting rock bottom for me. And when I describe rock bottom for me, I'm sure a lot of people, including you, have been much lower. 
but we can't compare our rock bottoms to anyone else's because they're as bottom as they need to be. Mm. So in addition to leaving my job, I was disowned from my family for a while. So estranged from my family. I was diagnosed with an undiagnosable autoimmune disorder. They didn't know what it was. I went into lots of debt. And six months before my wedding, my fiance totally pulled the plug. Like it didn't wow. see that coming at all. So I lost a lot of things that I had clung to for safety, security, identity, and that had really defined me. And it was in that, that I realized, and I'm sure you can relate to this, that the common denominator in all those things was me. And so that was a turning point because I could either go down the self-loathing, undeserving, I'll just keep sabotaging my life because I'm a piece of shit path, or well, if I could create all these things that aren't so great, what could I create if I actually knew what I was doing? If I actually mm. healed some of the things that have gotten me to this point. So that's where my love for personal development came in. And I've seen this in my life and over and over again with the tens and thousands of people that I've worked with is that nothing isn't healable. Right. Nothing isn't. And a lot of people say you can overcome anything. I don't really like that because a lot of people overcome things by brushing things under the rug, focusing on something new, and just thinking the past is over because it's the past. To me, healing is way more important than overcoming because when we heal something, we don't have to keep repeating the lessons and learning the same things over and over again. And we're really motivated or actually inspired by our true calling, our true soul's mission, Versus all these things that we think we should do in order to be X, Y, Z, popular, validated, loved, worthy, et cetera. So that's yeah. a little bit of my story. Well, no, and, and it's, it's awesome. And thank you so much for sharing that. And you're right. Like I, we shouldn't be comparing people's rock bottoms. We all have our own and what's different for you is going to be what's different for me. But I think the one common theme is just having this emotional hangover from everything right in in life and just being getting to a point where you're saying no more am I going to live my life like this I need to make a change with myself because you know I have all these problems internally that are manifesting themselves externally and the common denominator is me and if I don't work on the common denominator then my life is going to be shit and you see that a lot especially in this today's day this this day and age with with everyone they they want external validation to fill an internal void. Right. And what happens I think is, and correct me if I'm wrong, like that cup becomes empty real quick and you got to keep filling it and filling it and filling it and filling it. It doesn't matter how many, it's bigger. Right. And it doesn't matter how many likes you get, how many comments, how many shares you, if you're not happy with yourself and none of that matters. So, you know, walk me through, I think why you think so many people do so much work internally only to get external validation instead of really doing it for their own healing. Well, I, you know, I honestly think a lot of personal development work is at first motivated or driven by something external. I Mm. mean, I, I won't lie. When I first got into it, I wanted to get over my breakup. I wanted to get married. I wanted to make money again. I wanted a career. And so that's okay. It's sort of like in marketing, we hear sell them what they want, give them what they need. Mm. And it's, it's, I think in a lot of ways, that's true for us too. We, we often, our motivation begins as what we think we want. And then as we grow and as we learn, we start to realize, oh, wow, actually what I really want is self-acceptance, mm. contentment, um, knowing I'm worthy. And that doesn't come from anything outside. So I think when we start down the personal development track, there's still that 
intention and that want and that desire, that expectation of, well, if I work on myself, then I'm going to get a, a better relationship or a better job, or I'm going to lose this weight or fill in the blank. And then as we start to learn and grow, we're like, oh, wait a second. Mm. I just want those things because of the feeling I think that they're going to give me. And one of the most empowering things we can do as human beings is that realize is realize that anything we're looking for externally, the only reason we want it is because of how we think it's going to make us feel. And if we can learn how to do that on our own, like if I can learn how to feel confident and worthy and self-assured without needing to be a bestseller or to have this great career, to have the perfect relationship or whatever it may be, then that, that's it. That's the whole like human lesson that we're here to learn is, wow, like I'm empowered to feel how I want to feel at any moment. I don't need that external thing. Now, I do believe in dreams. I do believe in going after what we love, but from a place of authentic self-expression and our soul's purpose versus my dad never said he was proud of me. So I got to go make all this money and sleep with all these women because that's going to prove I'm a man. It's two different things. You can still go out and have a great career and sleep with a lot of women or maybe find one great one that you really love or a man or whoever your whatever your fancy is. Um, and, but it's a different come from. It's not coming from, I hope this thing is going to make me feel better. It's no, this is an expression of who I really am. Like I love my career. I love what I do. I'm very... I wouldn't say driven. I'm very inspired and I'm very called. And that's a much different feeling than the driven, ambitious feeling that I used to have, which was I must do this. Otherwise, I'm not going to be enough. So that, that driven, ambitious feeling almost has like a feeling of panic that goes with it because if there isn't an accomplishment, then not only do you deal with a sense of failure, but then you deal with the massive self-criticism and self-beat that comes from not living up to this expectation that you think is going to make you worthy. Yeah, I have so much to say about that because I 150% agree. I think what we have externally is a reflection of how we feel, feel internally. So if we feel yeah. amazing about ourselves, yeah. then we have the ability to call in and manifest, if you will, like things that are amazing on the outside. Mm -hmm. And failure, I think, can be a really powerful thing if it's done in the right way. I think so many times we we fail in a negative way, so to speak, because we're trying to fill somebody else's expectations of us. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, if I get this job, if I go after this job that I really don't want to, be, to make my parents happy or to potentially get a partner that I want or whatever, and you don't succeed because it's not meant for you, you're going to fail, A, because it's a little bit of a letdown, but most importantly, in your gut and in your heart, you knew it wasn't right, yeah. right? Whereas if yeah. you fail at something that, you know, you're passionate about, and you know, is on your, your course, you're like, okay, like what lessons did I learned from this? How can this help serve myself, my audience and the people around me? And I think right now, like during this time we're in the pandemic and whenever this comes out, we'll still be in a pandemic. I mean, it would take a miracle for us not to be right. Praying but, for a miracle. Right. Um, I think we're in it. We're in a fear pandemic, not an exactly. actual pandemic. But I, I, I cannot agree with you more. I think we're seeing a lot of people react out of fear and out of being yeah. scared. Right. Well, and this is a great way to understand our childhood and why we have the beliefs we do because mm. we can get, look, we can scare people enough into compliance. Mm. We can scare people enough. Like if people, if, if the government just said, Hey, everybody wear a mask because you know, it's good for everybody. 
no way. If there wasn't fear, if it, if it wasn't, if you don't wear a mask, you could get a virus that kills you. And not everybody would be compliant. But because there's this massive fear, people are like, okay, okay, I'll do whatever. And there's also this threat and kind of ultima- unconscious ultimatum that if we don't do this, things will never go back to normal. Mm. And so what we can look at, if we can go back to our childhood and, you know, as I've been coaching people through the pandemic, the whatever this is, 2020, we'll just call it 2020. I, I have been so deeply encouraging people, do your inner child work, do your shadow work because times of uncertainty and massive fear trigger the inner child more than anything else. So most of us as children, we acquired our limiting beliefs about ourselves during a time when we were scared, we felt unsafe, or we felt uncertain. I'll give you an example from my own life. I was teased. It happened one day in fifth grade. It started. Everybody passed a note around. I couldn't see the note. I kind of stayed after and got the note out of the trash and saw what people wrote about me. And in that moment of fear, of uncertainty, of feeling not safe, feeling shocked, I formed the belief, something's wrong with me. I'm not likable. I don't belong. Because in those moments when the brain goes into that sense of fear and lack of control and when our whole sense of safety and the way we look at the world and ourselves is turned upside down, anything anybody says or does in that moment, we completely believe. It's like, it's like a hypnotic state in so many ways. And so you can look and go, wow, like what are the things I've started believing because I'm scared? What are the beliefs that I've formed out of fear? And I, I encourage everyone to do that, not just with the virus thing, but with anything in your life. Like look at some of the beliefs you believe and think, wow, did I start believing this during a time when I was scared? Because if you really look at that and unpack that, you'll see that most of the time, yes. Most of the time you form these beliefs as a way to mentally get through an unscary, unsafe, uncertain time. So Whatever your kind of go-to reaction during this pandemic is or during this whatever it is, is whether it's worry or anxiety or anger or frustration or isolation, it probably is very similar to how you were as a child when something would be scary or uncertain or whatever. Because you know, outer experience, like you said, is always a reflection of internal reality. And anything that's going on outside of us, we're feeling inside too. And I think collectively, consciousness has co-created, manifested, whatever words you want to use at this time to give a global massive expectation hangover. Because the thing about expectation hangovers and disappointments, so an expectation hangover, I coined the term, it's one of three things. Things don't turn out like you planned. Things do turn out like you planned, but you didn't feel like you thought you would, like you get that great job, and but you still don't feel confident, or life throws you an unexpected, unwanted curveball. And I would say that this current 2020 fits one in three. A lot of things haven't turned out like we planned, and we've definitely got a curveball. But in those is this massive time for growth. Most clients or people that come to our workshops or retreats don't come because everything in their life is great. They come because they have an expectation hangover about something. Something in their life isn't going the way they want it to. And it creates this opening, this surrender, this curiosity for change, for healing, for growth. So why I'm, shall we say, optimistic? I don't really like that word. I'm not optimistic, but I'm, I'm um, 
clear sort of on the opportunity we have as a collective to start to wake up from some of the limiting beliefs we've been buying into, the patterns of behavior we've been buying into, ways away, ways we've been giving away our power, so on and so forth. So I'm hopeful that more and more people start doing the inner work so that we can start breaking down some of these systems that keep a lot of these limiting beliefs and patterns of behavior in place. Yeah. And you talk a lot about the expectation hangover and you're right. I think right now a lot of us have these big goals, big aspirations for 2020 and they've been kind of shot down, right? Because of everything going on in the world. And I know for you, you've had quite a bit of expectation hangovers in your life and a few probably stick out more than most. Like what would you say were like the most pivotal ones you've had? How did, and how did you recover from that to be able to grow and heal to become a better version of yourself? Well, I will answer that, but I want to say something about what you just said. So I have noticed that people who have done a lot of their inner child work, who have done a lot of their shadow work, who have slayed a lot of their own demons, actually are fine. They're, they're achieving their goals. Like 2020 has been a pretty great year. I mean, except for like feeling the collective angst and some of the awful things that have been happening. And a lot of people feel guilty about that. They're like, well, I did start that business and it's going well, or I did fall in love, or I did, you know, what fill in the blank. And so a lot of people that are having that 2020, according to their plans and dreams are like, well, should I just like be miserable because so many other people are? And I say no, (laughs) because we should always definitely stand in our light and we need people who are doing well to help the others who are not. And the people who haven't really worked on their shadow, done a lot of their inner child healing, haven't been willing to go to the places inside that hurt and that they wanted to avoid, are indeed having a harder time with everything because it's, it's undeniable. It's harder to suppress and repress and ignore right now. And that's why I think we've seen addiction go up so much. Addiction, abuse, the kind of things that are the result of not being able to process and handle our own feelings is because people are either choosing, okay, maybe 2020 isn't about like all these external goals. Maybe it's about healing myself. And so they're using this time to go within or people are just amping up their numbing devices. And I think, you know, the fall, one of the fallouts we'll see of this year, like I said, is a lot more addiction, a lot more divorce, a lot more fill in the blank as people um, just don't have the tools. And that's why I'm so passionate about the work that I'm a part of is I really want to help people with the tools, not for the, like how to achieve the goals, but how to deal with this crazy human experience that we all have. And to answer your second, the answer your last question in terms of my expectation hangovers, we talked about one, but probably one of the most pivotal ones for me was my divorce. Um, after my fiance broke up with me six months before my wedding, about six months later, I met a man who then, I then married. And about three years into our marriage, um, about two years into the marriage, I came off antidepressants. That took about a year. And three years, I just, I, we, we were growing in very, very different directions. And I realized that, that that was a massive expectation hangover because here I was in my early 30s when I'm supposed to be, you know, having maybe starting a family and being married, 
all of a sudden I'm single again. I had, my first book was all about getting dumped, but well, not all about, but I had included the part about getting dumped by my fiance and then finding the love of my life. And here I am divorced, you know, less than five years later. And I was already a coach and already had written a second book at that time. So I felt like a fraud and I felt a lot of shame. And because, you know, with my broken engagement, I got so quickly into another relationship I didn't really ever fully deal with that one. So it was like I was dealing with the divorce and I was dealing with that breakup and all so the- So was the fiance leave, was that totally unexpected? Fiance was unexpected, the divorce wasn't. Right, right, okay, yeah, go ahead. So it was like all of that coming together and that's actually what motivated me. That time period was actually what motivated me to write Expectation Hangover because I had a coach say to me, with my divorce, Christine milked this for all it's worth. And he wasn't talking about alimony. He was talking about really go into this so that you never have to go through it again. And so I used the divorce to really look at all my heartbreak, starting with my parents, um, all the times I felt rejected, all the times I felt like a failure, all the times I felt ashamed, all the times I felt like I didn't choose right. And I just, I used that expectation hangover to go into some pretty deep, dark places within myself. And that's what motivated the book is like having this holistic approach to dealing with a massive disappointment. That's amazing. And for me, it's like, I relate so much to that, especially the, I've been on a healing journey for the last 12 years. I've done a ton of work in and out of therapy, personal development, healed relationships with my parents, all that stuff. Right. I mean, I mean, to the point where I was kicked out of my mom's house when I was 16, I walked her down the aisle last year. Um, when she got remarried and my dad really? and I have wow. done, yeah. So I've done a lot, a ton of work, ton of shadow work. I mean, you name it. I've really, I've at least tried it. Right. And I think if so many people would take that approach, I'm not saying I'm, I'm right, but if you just look at like why so many relationships probably fail and you correct me if I'm wrong, it's because people don't do the work on themselves and they end up projecting their own stuff onto their partner, projecting their own stuff in their relationships. And yeah. they have no self-awareness because they haven't taken enough time by themselves to see how they treat themselves and treat others and develop awareness around that. It allows them to not take responsibility for themselves in a relationship, which is important. Am I right? Yeah. But we also need relationships to fail because that's how we learn. You know, that was one thing I really learned from my divorce is to not measure the success of a relationship by its length, Mm. but to really look at what I learned. And part of working on ourselves, honestly, is being in some not so great relationships, Mm. (laughs) being in some relationships that, that trigger the unhealthy dynamic and the unhealthy pattern. It's what we do when we get out of those relationships. That's even more important. If we just go repeat it over and over, you're, you're dating the same person with a different face over and over again, then you're just kind of spinning your wheels. You're not necessarily backtracking, but you're not moving forward either. But we need those relationships. We, we need those relationships that quote unquote fail um, and that bring up all those unhealthy things because that is part of working on ourselves. And, and I know from my husband and I, we would not have the awesome relationship that we do had we not both had both had some really epically awful ones <laughs> leading up to it because it was the combination of those relationships and the work that we did on our own mm. that give us the foundation that we have today. And we fight, we have our arguments, we drive each other crazy at times, but our ability to repair is, is so quick and really... Um, what's his first name? John Gottman. I know his last name is Gottman. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's an expert on marriage and long-term relationships. And 
he always talks about how the success of a relationship is not based on how, what you fight about or how much you fight. It's really about your ability to repair. And you can repair an argument or get the learning um, or realize that you're both being kind of jerks and arguing about stupid stuff much quicker if you worked on your own stuff because you know how your inner child is getting wounded. You know how all of a sudden they're triggering your parent or something from your past. You know that you're more committed to being right. You know you have like walls up. You know your avoidant attachment style or your anxious attachment style or disorganized attachment style is coming up. And you're able to, to move through that. So I never like to, because people ask us a lot about our relationship. They're like, do you ever fight? <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, however, and sometimes they're, they're bad. Like they're yelling and, you know, and he's Greek, Italian, Australian. So he's very dramatic. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we, we definitely have doozies. And we had way worse ones in the beginning of the relationship than we do now because we were kind of working out our kinks. But we always know neither one of us is leaving. And I always trust, I always trust him to do his inner work, to look at what he's bringing to the argument. And I trust myself to do mine as well. And so both of us are more committed to what can we learn from this than who's right. And I think that's what really messes couples up or really friendships, business relationships, whatever. The thing that sabotages a relationship from growing more than anything else is one or more people wanting to be right. Because if mm. you can either want to be right or want to be connected and loving, because being mm. right is highly overrated when it comes to relationship. Yeah, I think it's like the, the team effort and working together to take ownership and accountability for each other's role in the argument, right? And coming back together and saying, okay, what did we learn? What can we grow? And yeah, the Gottman, I've been following the Gottman uh, stuff for a long mm -hmm. time. Have you been able to use like a lot of those principles in your coaching that you do with your husband to help couples like work through like mm -hmm. shifts like that? Yeah, this is absolutely something we use. We work with couples and we help a lot with how inner child wounding plays out in mm. relationship and then masculine feminine dynamics and polarity. Um, Cause that's a, that's a, you know, it's also like when people's inner childs are really triggered and wounded, their sex life goes to shit too, because your inner child is up. So you're not like sex right. is not, you know, right, something right. that you're really connected with. Um, and so we, we love working with couples and relationships and especially like to have the two of us working with a couple and have that male and female perspective, even if it's the same sex couple to have mm. like the masculine polarity and the feminine polarity really working together. It's, it's really beautiful. And I'm seeing more and more, you know, as we're entering this age of Aquarius to get woo woo for a second and, we're seeing the collapse of sort of that, that 1% controlling everything and the guru model. I really feel like so much of our healing is going to be in relationship and through relationship. You know, we're kind of coming out of that hermit monk. We got to do it all on our own. And we're finding that, that relationships um, are just deeply healing and we can heal so much about ourselves when we're using the mirror of another person as well. Yeah. And I think you're right. I, th I think it's just up to, to us to kind of own that and see like, okay, like relationships are here to help us in ways they're not going to completely like, you can't fix or change somebody without the other person doing their own oh, no. work, right? <laughs> like you have to like, no right. And that doesn't work. Cause then when you try and fix or change someone and there's a codependent, I mean, codependency comes in, you end up losing part of yourself. But on the flip side, you know, you can heal together. No, um, absolutely. Yeah. And so like talk a bit about like what, what that looks like. What does healing really to you look like if you were to like 
in a few steps or whatever for somebody who mm-hmm. is maybe like kind of stuck right now and they're like, all right, what does this healing even mean? Well, so I have my master's degree in spiritual psychology and my favorite definition that I've ever heard, I learned at the University of Santa Monica. So this is their definition, which is healing is the application of love to the places inside that hurt. Mm. And I love that definition because that's basically what it is. So healing is about going back to experiences. Not We don't have to relive horrific traumatic memories. It's not about sitting in therapy and talking about it over and over and over again. But it is going back to those places inside that never got to express their feelings. So for me, I'll, I'll bring back up the, the teasing and bullying example with that note being passed around. So I carried that around for years and years and years and healing that was going back to that little girl. I was in fifth grade and letting her have her feelings about it. Cause I, I just stuffed all the, I had so much shame that I just stuffed those feelings inside. So letting her have her sadness, letting her have her anger, letting her have a voice about it, talking to that, that inner, that younger part of me and expressing those emotions with love and compassion. Cause a lot of people, they feel feelings, they have a cry or they get mad or whatever, but they get so lost in the feelings that they're not aware that there's another part of them that's compassionate and holding space for those feelings. So there's a difference between me crying and feeling sorry for myself and analyzing myself and thinking, what's wrong with me? Why am I crying? When is this going to be over? This sucks versus crying and having another part of me go, it's okay. Let it out. I'm here. It's okay to cry. You're safe to cry. You're safe to be seen, so on and so forth. So healing is really going back with love and compassion to those places inside that have hurt, giving them a voice, letting them express, having the emotions, and then eventually forgiving. Now, that doesn't mean I condone people that hurt me. Like forgiveness isn't, oh, Doug, you really hurt my feelings. And so I forgive you because it's fine because I'm a strong, big person. No. Forgiveness is about buying into the misunderstanding. So let's just say you were one of the people that was teasing me. I wouldn't necessarily forgive you personally inside myself. I'd forgive myself for buying into the belief that I'm unlovable. Forgive myself for buying into the belief that people don't like me or there's something wrong with me. And I even forgive myself for buying into the belief that you have the power to hurt me. You know, that's the ultimate forgiveness is when we can get to Because blame to me is just unprocessed anger. When we blame someone, it's just our unprocessed anger and we hold on to all that blame. But when we forgive by getting that anger out and expressing it and, and being compassionate to those parts that went through the experience, then we're forgiving ourselves for holding on to that judgment. So it's not about letting somebody off the hook and saying what you did to me is okay. It's saying what happened happened and I forgive myself for buying into the belief that I have to be angry about it for the rest of my life to protect myself. And so that's a really important distinction when it comes to healing is we need the forgiveness, but it's not about condoning of behavior. It's about letting go of the emotions we're holding on to that are really weighing us down. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I think forgiveness doesn't mean that you don't set a boundary, right? Forgiveness doesn't mean you have to let somebody back in your life. Forgiveness doesn't oh mean, right? But yeah. it just means that they don't have the power over you anymore. Right. right? And it's, it's more for yourself and you can't change the situation. Like you can't change all the people that wronged you. You can't change things that wronged you places, whatever, what you can change is how you respond. And I remember I was talking to a, to a pastor years ago. So long, one of the best pieces of advice that I ever heard was just, 
you sometimes you get some, some of the best advice from the people you least expect it from. And he said to me, he's like, you know, Doug, if I walked around and let every person who ever wronged me get to me, I would be some sad, you know, depressed man. He's like, cause you know how many times I've been wrong. And he, you know, he went on and was just, you know, giving me this, this preach about, you know, like how he was yeah. you know, wrong and all this stuff. And he was so true. So right. He's like, you know, when you forgive somebody, it lets it off your heart and it puts it into the universe, God, whatever you call its hand and says, all right, do the, do whatever you want to do with this, use it as lessons so I can grow and become a better version of myself. But so many people hold on to it thinking that if they don't forgive, that means that they're winning, that they're right, that that person right. was wrong. And I think I would have on, I don't know if you know Shaman Durek, um, but I had Shaman, a Shaman Durek on here. He's a, he's a shaman. And he, he put something very interestingly to me. He said, you know, it's more about acceptance. He's like, because when you forgive, you're saying, you know, sometimes it can be seen as like, you know, that person was wrong and you were right. But when you learn to see it was, you accept it and it was meant as part of your journey. Yep. You see it as something for the greater good. And that, re- that really hit home with me because he was, we were talking about something with uh, my dad or something. I, I don't remember what exactly we were talking about. I don't know if it was something with his, but it was, it's, it's very spot on, I think, because I yeah. think then, then, then we're like, okay, I accept it. It's actually, wow, it's actually being used for something good. Then I'll own that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, forgiveness is really about setting ourselves free versus mm. the other person, you know? And I always think of that when I'm like upset or mad or, you know, anything. It's like, oh, wow, I'm choosing to hold on to this and I'm the one who's suffering. The person did what they did. And me choosing to hold on to it and not forgive is continuing to let them do it. You know, it's like somebody punches you once and then you let them keep punching you because you're not forgiving. So it really is an empowering an empowering act to to forgive. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. Cause I mean, just because you forgive doesn't mean you forget. And I think once you forgive, you're able to be like, okay, I'm taking this like monkey off my back, yeah. giving it to the world and I can move forward. So the last thing I want to ask you, um, because you have dropped so much wisdom on relationships, healing, you know, during this last hour or so is I want to like, kind of like put the, put the buck back to you and, so I want you to imagine you're kind of talking to that Christine who is, you know, 25 and just gotten her heart broken is just trying to figure out like where she's going in life. Like now looking back, you got all this wisdom, you've learned all these lessons, you've done so much work on yourself. What kind of advice are you giving to her? I would just tell her to have more fun. Mm. I would tell her to have more fun. Not yeah. Seriously. I know you're so right because I think we, we get caught up in like work, work, work that we don't play. And I think the opposite. And even working on ourselves, we can get caught up in that part too. Oh, mm-hmm. I know. And, and that, that's one of the negative things about being in personal development is you're, so, you're comparing yourself and comparing yourself to what everybody else has that you forget like how far you've come. So if people want to find out more about you, I know you and your husband have some workshops coming up. Where can people find out more about you at Christine Hassler? Yeah, right Christine on. Hassler. And then I'd also say, check out my podcast over it and on with it. The numbered episodes, the ones that appear every Wednesday are unscripted, unedited, unproduced life coaching sessions with people. I just get on the call with someone and you hear what comes up and then I, I break down, you know, what I did. So, so many people um, use it for their own therapy because they learn so much going through that. So I'd say check that out. And then Instagram is my favorite social media platform. Awesome. Well, hey, Christine, it's been amazing. I thank you so much for your time. You. And hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation. I think our, the audience is going to get a lot out of 
not only your vulnerability, but you, but you were able to inspire me to open up a little bit now that I had you here with some of the stuff uh, that, um, that you're an expert in. And, you know, for those listening, you know, if, if you're feeling stuck in a relationship or in a job or even like just pivoting in any kind of part of your life, make sure to take Christine's advice and love yourself enough to make the right move, but also show yourself some grace to do the inner work and heal some of those wounds. And um, I invite you to, to screenshot this episode with your biggest takeaway, tag Christine, tag myself. We'd love to hear what you thought of it. And of course, if it really touched your heart, please leave us a five-star review. We'd love hearing feedback. And uh, once again, you're listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and we will see you next time.